Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am super excited to get to talk to you guys this morning. My name is Michael. Um, I'm one of the ministers here. I'm one of the youth ministers, actually. I have the privilege, week in and week, in and week out, working with our, uh, our awesome middle school and high school students. And as Matt just mentioned, not Matt, Zach, both Dolberries, uh, Zach just mentioned, this is an important weekend, particularly for our students and for many of the rest of you as well. And that is, this is the weekend we, we sort of mentally transition into summer. Right, and uh, because of that, I'm sure there's some of you that are that are here visiting with us. You might be visiting family on Memorial Day weekend. If you're visiting, welcome. We are stoked to be worshiping with you guys today. And there's a lot of you that also may be out of town. You might be worshiping with us online. And again, welcome if you're with us online as well. But this weekend, we are transitioning into summer, and I would say this season is uh, important for all of us, but maybe the most important uh, for the oldest group of students I get to work with, and that's our seniors. Uh, This is a a massive transition point. We have two more months with these guys and girls before they move on to their next phase. I hate to bring that back up for the mamas in the room who are still not come to terms with that fact, but it's the reality. We have two more months with these guys and girls before they move on to their next phase. And so that marks a very, very important transition for these guys. And so this morning, I'm actually going to kind of direct what I want to focus on uh, a little bit more to them. But I invite the rest of you. Are we getting some feedback? Do I need to? We're good? Okay. Um, So I want to kind of direct what I'm talking about today a little bit more to them, but I want to invite the rest of us to sort of lean in because I think there's something for all of us to hear from the words of scripture today. So when I was in college, uh, in the phase that a lot of these guys are heading to next, um, I had sort of this big aha moment. And in this aha moment, um, I, I sort of came, it sort of started with the realization of these two realities. And these two realities that we live in these two circles. Our lives sort of exist fully in these two different circles. Circle one, you could call it, um, is, is, you could call it your faith community. Right, this is a lot of us in this room kind of understand the importance of the faith community uh, because we're in this room right now. Right, these are your people that you that you do life with. These are your people that are that are pouring into you, that are building you up, uh, that are that are helping you grow in your faith. They're challenging you, that are leading you. But then over here, we also have uh, what I would refer to as sort of your non-faith community, right? And that's just sort of the circles that are not uh, centered around this this idea of building each other up in faith, right? These these are our areas that uh, you might consider our, our spaces to outreach, uh, but these, these are spaces that are not necessarily uh, united around uh, building each other up in faith. And we sort of have uh, these two different communities, but, but to unpack this a little bit further, um, the faith community, I want to look at uh, two different scriptures. I want to start us off in uh, Acts 2, uh, verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, this was sort of the start of what we would call the church today, 
right? This was, this was sort of our, our beginnings of what we do now. In fact, if, if you look at this passage, you'll see a lot of things we've already done, right? We've already broken some bread. We've already, uh, well, we're engaging in some teaching. Now, they're, they're, these are, this was the beginning of what we would now sort of call these faith communities, right? The circle. Um, and, and then as we look uh, to this next passage, I wanted to include this as well, because this is one of the most uh, important pieces of this puzzle as well. And, and that is Galatians 6, 2. And it simply says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. So we've got these things that sort of make up circle one over here, this faith community, right? That is, we, we have these practices that we do together. We, we devote ourselves to teaching. We share meals together. Uh, we, we, we lead others to Christ together. That's what we try to do. And then at the same time, we share in each other's burdens. We share uh, in our struggles and in our sorrows, and we, we take that on together. Right? These are sort of some, some key components that make up what it means to be in these faith communities. But then in circle two, uh, Paul kind of breaks down what it looks like to be involved in these communities as well in 1 Corinthians 9. And he says this, When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to that law. I did this so I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Now, I love this. There's a lot of different ways to break this down. But I want to draw our attention real quick to this last phrase that he says right here. I find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. We read this passage and sometimes it can sort of seem like, is is he suggesting that we should be fake? Is he suggesting that we should sort of compromise on, on our beliefs or, or whatever or, or, or change who we are uh, to fit into these circles? And that's not what he's saying at all. He's simply saying find common ground, right? So in all this passage before it, what he's really saying is I, I will adjust certain things that don't really matter as much in order to put myself in position to make a legitimate connection with someone. Common ground. Right, common ground. I, I want to find this common ground with anyone so that I can uh, s- to save some. Right, you can't find ground, common ground with someone based on a lie. So he's suggesting that we we do we we set aside the things that don't matter in order to put ourselves in position to find these legitimate connections. So if I wanted to, I could just sort of stop right there, and we could say thumbs up. That's cool. Uh, we all sort of are in agreement that yes, uh, we. We do need to be invested in our faith community. And, and yes, we need to put ourselves in position to share Jesus with other people. That, that seems to make sense to all of us, I'm sure. And you also may be wondering, okay, that was your big aha moment. You, you, uh, up until college, you didn't realize that you needed to have a faith community and a non-faith community. I, I feel like this is pretty common stuff. Um, and you'd be right. You'd be right about that. Uh, but the aha moment didn't really come there. The aha moment came in the answer to this question, and that is, what is the balance between these two? Because once again, I think we can all sort of agree that both of these circles is important. But the real question is, what does it look like to actually live in the balance between these two circles? 
Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us kind of stay planted in one or planted in the other and kind of venture in the other. You might, you might live right here in your faith community and you might say, okay, this feels good. I enjoy being built up. I enjoy being around the people of God. I like learning about uh, how to grow in my faith. And, and these are my close friends. and These are the people that know me. But uh, okay, I understand I need to share Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture over here a little bit. Um, I'm going to have a conversation. So, okay, cool. All right, now I'm going to go back over here and just sort of stay here. And oh, okay, I'll, I'll, my, my, my kid's got a ball game or I've got, a, I've got a, uh, an event today, right? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be amongst these people for a minute. Okay, now I'm going to go back over here. Or you might be the other way, right? You might be sort of living over here and you might be thinking, okay, I understand that, that having a, being involved amongst the people of God makes sense or is something I need to invo- uh, commit to. So I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday. Okay, all right, I'm going to spend a little time over here. All right, check that box. All right, I'm going to come right back over here. All right, now I'm going to live here. And okay, now it's Sunday again. All right, I'm going to go back over here. And this, this might be the, the rhythm that some of us find ourselves living in. So the question then is, what is the balance? And again, this is the moment that, that, that was a light bulb going off moment for me in college. Now, if we're in church and we're asking a question, nine times out of 10, what is the answer to that question? Jesus, that is right. Thank you, Josh. Um, Jesus is the answer. So if we want to know what the balance between the two is, we need to look to the one person who gave us the example of how to do it right. So I'm going to draw our attention real quick to Luke chapter 5. Now, in this passage, Jesus is he's calling out to Levi, who would later become Matthew, and Matthew is uh, the writer of one of the Gospels. The passage reads this, like this. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house and large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to the sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, if you look closely, you'll actually see a back and forth kind of illustrated here in the way that Jesus interacted with these two circles. So the first words of the passage, right, after this. So before this passage, what, uh, what Jesus was doing was he was actually teaching. He was amongst the, the people of God. They, they were wanting to hear his words. He was actually teaching and he was healing. And then it says after this. So he's with his faith community. After this, Jesus did what? He went out. He went out, right? So he leaves the faith community and he goes out. He sees a tax collector. He invites him in. He invites him in to come back into his circle, right? So he goes out. He sees somebody. He invites them in. Now he's back with his faith community. And then what happens next? Well, Levi, the guy he just called upon, has a party for him. And so he goes right back in to this non-faith community. And you see this continual back and forth and back and forth. You almost, and you, you actually see a little bit of crossover, which is another lesson in and of itself. But there's a back and forth, a back and forth, a continual movement from one to the other. And so you see this balance kind of illustrated. And if you read through the rest of the Gospels and, and you pay attention, you'll realize that this is the regular rhythm of Jesus' life. It's a back and forth and back and forth. So much so that it's less like two separate circles. And you can more accurately think of it like two legs. Right? Two legs in the same body. I step here. I step here. I step here. I step here. That's sort of the way that we see Jesus live. In fact, if you go back to the passage, the only two words that Jesus speaks in the whole passage... Follow me, right? Two legs on the same body, moving, right leg, left leg. Guys, many of us in this room might kind of feel stuck. 
A lot of us might feel like we've sort of been stagnant in our faith and may not really have known what the next step for us might be. How do we move from one place to another? Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. There's a step, there's a back and forth, back and forth. I think back to when I was in college and I had this aha moment. There was one person in my campus ministry. I had an amazing campus ministry. I'm so grateful for it. Um, But it was within this campus ministry that I realized that I had not lived this way. But there was one person in that campus ministry who had, um, it was, it was uh, a friend of mine who was on the soccer team. She was on the soccer team. I went to Tennessee Tech. And uh, she, was, she wasn't just on the soccer team. She was actually the captain of the soccer team. She was a really significant piece of that puzzle. But she also wasn't just somewhat involved in our campus ministry. She was actually, uh, she was an intern there. Um, she uh, interned at the church as well. Uh, she was very heavily invested in uh, our faith community. But then over here with the soccer team, she was very heavily invested in that community as well. And she didn't necessarily view the soccer team as a project for herself or anything like that. She simply existed in those spaces and allowed those uh, connections to form in a real way. And over the course of our four years in college, I kid you not, I watched this girl lead eight of her teammates to follow Christ. Because she, because she embraced this lifestyle, she had this, her faith community and she invested there and she had her soccer community and she invested there and it was a back and forth, a back and forth, a regular rhythm of investment in both of these communities and people came to know Jesus because of it. In fact, I was, I was so impressed with this girl, I actually decided to ask her to marry me. Um, some of you guys might have caught that before I got there. I'm talking about my wife, Abby, uh, the best disciple maker I know, and she embraces this lifestyle. So some of you might also be sitting there wondering, okay, okay, I'm with you so far. I see where you're going with this. Okay, so, so what do I need to do with this then? What, what does my next step look like? And before I get there, I just want to turn back to my seniors real quick and emphasize this point. Guys, if you can embrace this now, this will radically change the course of your next four years and and will set you up to live a radically different life following Christ. If you can embrace this next, these, these next four years and invest in both of these communities, college sets up an opportunity like none other to really, uh, to really see that change happen. Like I said, I saw it happen and it can also change the trajectory of your life. So I ask you then to my college seniors, have, have you looked, have you, have you checked where you're going? Have you checked on, okay, are there, are there campus ministries? Are there churches in the area that have college ministries that I could get involved in, right? And then have you also looked, okay, um, maybe I'm interested in sports, right? So maybe there's, maybe there's an intramural community that I could, that I could plug into, in real, with intramural sports. Or maybe there's, maybe I'm interested in theater, right? Maybe there's a theater club. Or maybe I'm interested in video games. Maybe there's a gaming group. Maybe there's some sort of, uh, but point is we need to be doing, uh, I, I urge you guys to be doing your research and figuring out where are the areas I can invest in so that I can have both my faith community and my non-faith community and have a regular investment in, vote, in both. But to the rest of us, I'm going to offer you two self-evaluation questions to maybe help you know what your next steps might look like. So question number one uh, is it will answer the question, do I need to be invested in a faith community? Is that where I'm missing my investment? And so the question is this, do I have two or more people who know how I'm doing spiritually? Now, when I say that, I am not just saying, do they know generally that I'm going to church? 
or, or maybe do they know that I, I have a family member who's sick and I need to be praying for them? I'm saying, do they know the condition of your heart? Do they know what to be praying for you about? Do they know how to check on you? Do you have two or more people, I'm going to say outside of your immediate family, that know that about you? And that can sort of help you understand a little bit, okay, do I have a real faith community or not? And then on the other side, before I ask you guys this, I just want you to know, I was asked this question uh, about a year and a half ago, and this was probably the most convicting question I have ever been asked in my life. And it really helped me change the way out, some of the rhythms and the patterns that I was living with. And it's simply this question. When was the last time a non-Christian friend invited you to do something socially? It's one of the most convicting questions I had ever been asked in my life. Here's why that matters. Would you allow somebody to be a significant part of your life if that person is not somebody you would even invite to lunch? You know, we look, we, looked at, we look at Jesus, we look at that passage, you know, he wasn't just in the same spaces as the sinners and the tax collectors, right? He was, he was dining. He was, he was at the table with them. Jesus' investment showed something beyond just uh, simply existing in the same spaces with people who didn't know him. He, he, he had a true investment in those spaces and with those people. So maybe that's where you need to invest. Maybe that's the piece of the puzzle that you're missing. But I would, I would bet that just about everybody in here, I know for myself especially, could take a step further in one of these two communities, if not both. So seniors, I'm excited for you guys. I have full confidence that you guys are going to do amazing things. And I know that if you guys choose to invest in these two communities, you guys can move mountains and God can move through you in a major and mighty way. I am super excited for you. And to everyone else, um, if you are feeling stuck, if you're feeling like, I just don't really know exactly what I need to be doing next, my prayer is that these two questions can help at least get the ball rolling in your mind of knowing where do I need to invest? Who is God calling me to right now? Maybe I need some more support or maybe some other people need my support. But none of us are made to stay exactly where we are. So let's pray and close it out. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for... um, this family of believers, I thank you so much for uh, the people of God uh, that, that, that we get to be a part of. I thank you for this faith community that's in this room right now. Um, God, I pray that if there's anyone in here that, that is needing uh, a, a deeper investment in this community, um, Lord, that you, would, that you would convict their heart this morning and that, and that they would know that uh, this is something you're calling them to. And, and God, if there's, uh, if there's somebody in here that, that knows that they um, have been uh, playing it safe, so to speak, or, or haven't necessarily taken the time to invest in the lives of, of people who need it, haven't taken the time to invest in, the, in these non-faith circles, um, God, I pray that you would convict their hearts as well and reveal to us that you have put us where we are and when we are for a reason. God, open our eyes to the, the spaces and the people that you're calling us to. Um, God, I ask that you would bless these seniors who are moving on to their next phase and have the opportunity to do this in a major way. Um, And God, I pray that you would just uh, work mightily in our hearts as we move into a new season. It's your name we pray. Amen.